Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Volrath Feed. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef here at the Volrath Company, and I'm joined today, as always, by our executive producer and co-host, Justin Pearson. Hey, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well today. Thank you very much. Yourself? I'm doing doing pretty good. Well, no, I lied. That's I not true. I know, I know. <laughs> Everything except my back. I had a bad weekend. I wrenched it, and here I am, mm. so... Yeah, we'll, we'll get through it though. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, we always end our show by telling everyone how much we enjoy hearing from them. But I thought I'd try it on the on the beginning here, so that we get it out front, so people know we, we as much as we enjoy doing the show, we also enjoy hearing from people that listen to the feed. So if you have any thoughts, questions, suggestions, or just a comment about the feed, please let us know what you're thinking at ballrathfoodservice.com slash the feed we enjoy hearing from you and then later on the show again our new segment with uh, nate wolfel who is our marketing lead for the feed who nate handles all of our social content uh, copy editing pre-production tasks and all the stuff he does for the show so we'll hear from nate a little bit later as well so just in today's show we have um megan musbach who's the director and general manager at uber in the Midwest, she manages the Midwest territory for Uber and Uber Eats, which is the delivery platform started by Uber in 2014. So it's a good show about third party and delivery and things we've talked about on the show in the past. Um, and it's also one of those things that I think from the whole pandemic, that's definitely here to stay. It was kind of emerging beforehand, but 2020 just cemented it. Well, its growth and development has been accelerated because of the pandemic, and it, we've seen a lot of growing pains, and we've think, seen a lot of uh, development happen to really take it to the next level in in, uh, in a short amount of time. So, and we, like you said, we've talked about third party delivery quite a bit, you know, with with mixed emotions and and results, <laughs> and um, so it's it only makes sense to to really hear from the source and see what's happening, not only for the larger urban areas, but for the more spread out, the, the smaller suburban or smaller towns where where third parties really starting to uh, take hold and, and you're starting to see a lot more opportunities there. All right. I just attended a seminar on automation. And one of the big things in that seminar was drones. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, there already are areas where drones deliver food. It delivers mm -hmm. packages. Um, that is another, I think, big innovation that's going to be hitting. And well, yeah. if you think about food, it makes total sense. Instead of someone fighting traffic for 20 minutes to go five miles, a drone can probably get there. In a, you're a drone pilot. You know how fast they go. Yeah, they, they go fast. And, you know, the payloads are ever increasing. So mm -hmm. you can really start to use them for for things like that. And it's, it's really exciting and it's going to, it seems like super futury still kind of to a lot of us, but within a short order, I mean, we're talking months to a couple of years, it's just going to be normal for, for many of us. And you're even starting to see it like on the ground, like with Domino's, they got their mm -hmm. automated delivery vehicle. Oh, what's it called? Like a neuro or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. Um, and, yeah, once again, it seems very futuristic, but it's going to be normalized in pretty short order. And I must be the only one that feels this way, but during the seminar, I was talking to those around me and I said, well, 
Am I the only one that sees like a problem with this thing going on the street without a human piloting it or understanding and being able to interpret hazards and different things along the way? You can only plan for so much. So well, true, and and well, that's just the way humans have evolved. Is we take a course of action, and then when something happens, that's when it gets fixed. You know, you look at the history mm-hmm. of airline flight, you know, and, and how many things have been fixed, safety measures after something horrible's happened, and that's just kind of how it happens. It's it, it's like everything <laughs> moving forward is just kind of beta tested in the public, you know, and. and it, and you see you see those problems. So like when there's accident, accidents, there's refinements, and then you try and fix it oh, for the future. I hope we get better at it faster than like the auto industry. How long did it take to get like seatbelts to be A, mandatory, <laughs> B, a shoulder strap? When I was a kid in the back seat, you could just roll around, do whatever you wanted. Your parents were going down the road. You didn't have any seatbelts. And if they were, they were only lap belts. Yeah, was, that's, different that's very true. You know, and it, as a society, I think we've become more safety and health conscious over the past 30 years. And so that kind of is a driving factor for mm-hmm. a lot, you know, mostly because you can't handle, he can't deal with the lawsuits that follow. Right. Some other things I think that, um, as we just quickly are thinking about lasting changes, effects of whatever from this time, delivery for sure being one of them. Some other things that I think we're going to have for quite a long time as a result of this pandemic again is, you know, touchless ordering, everything mm-hmm. being touchless. I think you, we're more conscious of that now. We see things with, with touching and we're, we're automatically a little bit more wary of what we're touching and mm-hmm. worse than cleaning our hands afterwards. Yeah. I think those are things that are here to stay, really. Right. Mm-hmm. Working from home. Yeah, that, another another thing was kind of in the in the works before the pandemic. The pandemic pushed everybody home, and now I think it's going to be very tough to go back to a everyone in the office environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was a trial by fire, and you had a lot of businesses that were like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't even want to mess around with you know making that an option." And when you're forced into it, many, many, many people realize, "Well, hey, this actually works, and this could be some cost savings for us." So. You're going to see those hybrid models and and those flexible scheduling uh, continue on because, quite frankly, lots of people enjoy it. What about people finding things kind of closer to home? It used to be, you know, your vacation was always considered it was a distance away, but a lot of people during the pandemic found things to do, maybe rediscovering things to do around their home. Oh, yeah. Closer to home. That's really true because you, you were limited in a lot of ways. So you looked closer and you start to discover, well, no matter where I am, there's a lot of great things around me that mm-hmm. I just overlooked or drove past going down the highway. And it allowed you the opportunity to focus in and explore what's around you. Right. Allowed our uh, good friend, Nate Wolfel, to go and catch 500 fish last year. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was. Watching it was fun to see that. Some good stuff about sticking around home. Oh, you know, another thing I think that I will, I think is definitely a benefit to everyone, certainly to restaurant workers, is it's okay to be sick. It's okay to like stay away if you don't feel good. Mm-hmm. That was a big push in this pandemic. And everyone said, well, if you don't feel well, stay home. In the restaurant industry, you never did. You mm-hmm. came to work. You let your coworkers send you home because you knew that they were relying on you. It's going to be okay to call in sick, I think, now. 
finally in the food service industry. That's much needed because mm -hmm. it was always, if you called in sick, that's questioning your loyalty and your mm -hmm. work ethic. And, and that just really isn't the case because that wasn't the standard everywhere else. You know, right. nobody wants to spread it around and ultimately cause more problems than if you just stayed home. So another good thing maybe coming out of the pandemic, I guess. Yeah. Um, some changes, buffets in general, are they going to come back ever as they were? I don't know. Uh, I mean, they are coming back. You're seeing places open and you see signs, you know, buffet open and it'll draw a certain crowd. Uh, and then there'll be people who are just, you know, might swear them off forever. Well, definitely some things to think about there. That's our mm -hmm. brief take on a, on a few of them. I think we'd like to hear from our guest today, Megan. She, uh, hopefully we'll have some more and maybe even more scientific insights than your and my just opinions. So it's time that I think we should bring her on the show and find out more from her. So once again, everyone, Megan Musbach, Director and General Manager at Uber. Megan, welcome to the Volrath Feed. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thanks again for attending with us. We appreciate it very, very much. You know, we always like to start out our guests with a little bit of like a how'd you get into the food service or how'd you get into to where you're at today? Could you just walk us through a little bit of that as to how you got in your position at Uber? Sure. Um, well, my experience um, specifically in the food industry uh, would be limited to my, my summer jobs growing up. But um, I got in with Uber Eats because um, really of the marketplace that they run. And it's a, it's a unique marketplace, unlike our uh, rides and our mobility business, where it's a two-sided marketplace with you have the driver and you have the rider. Um, on the eat side, it also involves a third um, part of the marketplace, which is the restaurant, obviously. And um, my experience before was with a marketplace in the online um, recruitment industry. So I worked uh, in that industry for about 16 years before. And there are a lot of parallels there between um, the marketplace and then the companies that are hiring, the candidates that are looking for work and the recruiters that are connecting the two. So um, when they first reached out to me, I, I, I did think it was uh, a little bit out of my realm. But then once I started to understand um, how Uber Eats marketplace works, I realized that there were plenty of parallels. So do you consider yourself in the food service industry at Uber Eats? I mean, do you look at, at, at the delivery process as, as as part of the industry, right? Or do you look at it as more of just as, could it be an art supply that you're delivering or, or something else? Or do you really feel it's the food service industry? Yeah, well, I mean, when you work for Uber, the differentiator of, of being Uber is that we aren't just Uber Eats. We are Uber Mobility. We are Uber Freight. Um, and so... Our key differentiator is our cross-platform business. There's no other company that that does um, rides and delivery the way that we do. So I wouldn't say that I don't look at myself in the food service industry. Um, I, I look at it as that's what um, my specialty is right now. Um, but really, I, you can't forget how, how we started. And that's the magic of having anything delivered with a click of a button um, in a moment's notice. Um, and that really started with our rides business and then evolved into food delivery and then freight um, and now um, also grocery and alcohol and convenience. So, Oh, some things I was not aware of. So you're mm -hmm. into all of that. Wow. 
Makes yeah. sense. Keep keep them keep the drivers moving, right? Exactly. Keep those earners earning. Yeah. Do you ever have multiple things going on at one time inside the the vehicle? We'll say. Uh, so batching is something that is batching is okay. very promising. Uh, right now, it is not something that we are have actively executed. Um, where there would be multiple items in the car at the same time. No. But I would like to take a step back here. And so you mentioned that summer jobs, you worked in food service. I, I'm curious, would you mind elaborating? Were, were you in serving? Did you prepare food or what did that look like for you? Yeah. So um, I was a dietetics major. Um, and one of the internships that I had was at a hospital um, in the food service portion of the hospital. So delivering um, the food to the patients. Oh, unknown, right? <laughs> <laughs> delivering the food, working out. Yeah. At prior history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Within Uber, how responsible do you feel for the quality of that food? Do you have uh, metrics that you give back to your third party, the being the restaurant that said, well, we picked up at this time, we delivered at this time. And how do you help guarantee that quality of, of delivered product? Yeah. So delivery time uh, and reliability are, are one of our key objectives and hero metrics that I'm looking at daily, hourly, uh, real time and monitoring in terms of the delivery time, the dispatch time, the time it takes a um, courier to reach the restaurant, the time it takes the restaurant to make that food. You know, that's all a part of of the operation that makes that magic happen. And it it seems really easy when you're clicking the button as a consumer, but there's actually quite a lot of steps that go into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, at at Uber, we're, we're not, we are not food experts, but we partner with the restaurants who are. So um, we're also giving couriers the recommendations and they must follow those restaurant recommendations. Um, and those restaurants are able to outline certain delivery guidelines that promote food safety. So, um, oh. within that order, the customer can specify dietary restrictions, for example, to keep halal and non-halal food separate would be one example, gluten-free, that, that sort of, um, that sort of use case. And that's communicated through the app real time with that restaurant. And, and while that's the restaurant's responsibility and the couriers, uh, when they receive that food, it is sealed. So they don't at all interact with the food. They're literally just delivering it. Um, we do put the technology in place so that the restaurants can communicate with the eater. What about uh, delivery technology? Have you guys standardized uh, how the food is being kept warm or kept cold while it's in transit? Do you, or is that up to each individual courier to provide their own? In terms of bags? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, so obviously an insulated bag can make for a better customer experience, especially when there's further delivery um, radius. But it isn't required unless you're in a location where it's required by law. Um, so we recommend them. We have them available for purchase for couriers, but many couriers to u- choose to use their their own. Some don't feel the need for it, and they're not required to, especially in more dense cities. Um, it's not as necessary, and the containers that are provided by the restaurant are are adequate. But um, 
you think of something like deliveries by bicycle, those obviously would benefit from a more specialized bag to protect the food from movement, weather conditions. So typically you'll see um, they're, they're more commonplace with, with um, those sorts of couriers that are on a bike. Okay. When the pandemic hit, I mean, Uber was already, this was a thing. We were moving towards it. We were getting customers to adapt. The pandemic hit. How how ready were you? I mean, you couldn't have been totally ready. I, I'm assuming that's not the case. But were you positioned to, to be able to, to get up to speed pretty quickly? Or how? what kind of a process and how many long days was that in the in the early days right oh yeah it it was it, it was a lot uh i don't think you can ever be prepared i don't think anyone was prepared for the pandemic right. obviously um you know it goes back to our business is not just uber delivery it's also mobility and so we um didn't just see our mobility business um you know, basically stop overnight. We actually encouraged it to stop and we put a campaign out there to ask people to stay home. Um, and so when you look at our, our business and, and, and that's really our, our founding service, um, it's quite rare that you see a company take that stance and say, don't use our service. Um, and we believe that to be the right thing to do. So, um, when it comes to the Uber Eats side specifically, yes, I can remember, Thursday must have been the week of the of of March 10th um, that I had to put together an entire plan to roll out on Monday and really that plan was to tell the restaurants especially the small business owners to stay open because we were going to provide them with support um, and the only way to to help keep business coming their way is to drive orders. And so um, we took a stance and said, we're going to invest heavily in driving consumer behavior towards these restaurants because there was also, obviously as, as a consumer, there was uncertainty as to, well, is it safe? Can the virus you know, mm. come from food mm. in a restaurant? There, there was so many unknowns and um, you know, obviously, we have teams that um, worked with the experts in, in the health industry to determine, okay, this is okay, this is safe, the food um, is not going to, to be an issue. But the perception of that was a real problem. And so we developed a campaign to, to encourage consumers to eat local, we spun that up pretty much over that weekend actually definitely over that weekend. And, <laughs> wow. uh, I don't feel like I've left my computer ever, ever since really, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, and we made sure that every, uh, customer got a phone call personally from us to say, stay open, give it a week. Don't try not to panic. Here's what we're going to do. One of those things being offering free delivery to every small business restaurant. Um, which when you think about it, all customers are cost conscious. And so, um, you know, waiving those delivery fees was a huge driver of people supporting locally versus maybe some of the, the cheaper options that were not local restaurants. So it allowed the food to be more affordable. And um, then it started to become the norm. And we had to 
whip up the contact list option, which seems so normal now. Uh, but at the time, we didn't offer that. None, there were really no offerings like that in our industry. So, uh, and now it seems weird to not be able to have your groceries or your Uber Eats order put on, on your door, but that wasn't a thing even a year ago. So right. mm -hmm. all of those little details, yeah. those happened pretty much within a week. Wow. Yeah. That must've just been a crazy time to think about <laughs> dreaming up the process and, and getting it rolled out on, on a scale that you roll those things out. And by the way, was that something that you, you're the regional uh, person in the Midwest? Do you, did you do that for the country or did you have your partners collaborating or how'd you guys do that? Yeah. So at that time I had a slightly different role. Um, I oversaw account management and customer support for small businesses um, in the US and Canada. We transitioned to what we call our territory model in the pandemic in order to serve um, a more local feel. So at the time we were more centralized and delivering on a, on a national scale. So yes, it you know, obviously took um, not just the operations side, which would be my team, but also took finance to understand where we could find that in the budget. Uh, marketing was a, a critical piece of of the plan, as was mm. technology and engineering. So is, when you talk about how you encouraged local businesses, I read somewhere that you changed the app to help small businesses. Is that what you're talking about, is how you help small businesses and in, in that local keeping people supporting local business? Yeah, so the app uh, before was, it was very much based, and it still is, on eater preference, right? So the the issue is, is that if an eater starts with one restaurant in mind, it's very easy to get into that same cycle and just order from that same restaurant over and over again. And that restaurant may or may not be a small business. And so, um, we for the you know first time really encouraged eaters to eat specifically at certain restaurants which we had never done before and it actually ended up working out and what we realized is that in doing so they didn't order less from the restaurants that they they started with they just ordered overall more from restaurants rather than cooking at home so we have found that um, in our studies that delivery is not in place of dine-in, it's in addition to. So that is something that um, you know we conducted in 2019 with Deloitte that really showed that 3P delivery on any platform, it's not competitive with dine-in. It's an experiential um, restaurant orders where people are looking to order in rather than cook themselves. You said something there that I think is a trend that we're just seeing people ordering food or dining out more than ever, right? And cooking less and less in their home. That, that's what you're seeing as, as well, that people are just eating out or eating prepared food more than ever before? Yes, I think eating prepared food and eating different types of prepared food. I, I think that there was a perception pre-pandemic, not just with Uber Eats or not even just really with third parties and restaurants, but I even think of groceries and that was some delivering having your groceries delivered having going and picking up your groceries without getting out of a car whether that be mm -hmm. restaurant food that's prepared or groceries that you're 
you know, going to take those ingredients and make the food yourself. I, I think that the pandemic has propelled um, technology and it's helped get rid of that perception that the quality of the food is going to be less. And I think um, delivery, especially with restaurants for many people, um, is now so much more than just pizza or sushi. And I think that that is a real perception that was out there before they tried it. And so for a lot of people, they tried stuff that they would not normally have tried. They realized, wow, this is really convenient and the food quality is great. And it it's changed the industry and it helps both the restaurants sure and, and the third party platforms. Yeah, it certainly has been accelerated over the past year. And what what would you say are, are some of the biggest changes that you've seen within uh, your Uber Eats experience for the customer, like say within the app? What are some of the biggest changes? I know you've touched on a couple already, but if you had to narrow down like three of the top biggest changes that happened over the past year, what would they be? Uh, certainly, I would say the first one is pickup. We've always had pickup as an option. But the use case was, I'd say it's a, it's a smaller cohort of eaters before. Uh, the, the primary use case of pickup that we saw before the pandemic was people that were on a commute home. So somebody like myself, who, you know, is a working mother, also, um, you know, has to get food home at the same time that I'm arriving home myself. And that was really the use case of pickup was I, I could stop along the way with a few clicks within the app find a good meal for my family and come in the door from work with food in hand. Um, and, and what pickup does is it gets you outside of your typical delivery radii. Um, and you're experiencing on the way restaurants rather than just what's typically within a mile or so. Oh. Um, but in the pandemic, pickup became the norm because people wanted to get out of the house and it became an activity to go do. So, I would say by far, um, pickup is the number one change that we've seen within the app. Um, the, the second, I would say, biggest trend that we saw, and it's actually outside of the app, um, we offer ability for restaurants to plug into our technology and we would host their own online ordering um, on their restaurant website. And so you get the technology of Uber um, but it's a direct um, experience with your customers. So you're, you're not paying for the marketing aspect of, of being on our app and our marketplace. You're, you're just looking to leverage our technology and our driver um, fleet in order to get that food delivered to your direct customers. So I'd say that's the second biggest trend. Is that directly on the restaurant's website? Yes. Or... Yes. Oh, uh, Okay. And is is that uh, Uber branded or is there like white label options for them or? Yeah. So all of the branding can be done to look the colors and the logos to look like their restaurant. Um, all they see with Uber is powered by Uber on the bottom of the oh, screen. Very cool. All right. Sorry. Okay. That yeah. Third thing. <laughs> oh, what is the third thing? I would probably say the third thing is... Um, it's an often overlooked one, but I think it's actually very significant. I would say the uh, communicating to our our mobility consumers 
that have not taken any trip yet. And so before the pandemic, um, Uber rides and Uber eats, they did act more separate than they do today. And that was always something that we were striving to achieve was the power of one platform. Um, but I would say that that was catapulted over the last year because of the situations. And now it's a much more seamless experience like I was describing before where um, you are having really one app experience rather than than two separate mm. ones. Back to the that pickup. I mean, that just really got me thinking is like, I can't honestly think of a time that I picked up food before the pandemic. It was just like either we're getting delivery from somewhere that delivers or we're going out to eat. Yeah, you know, it was just like, yeah, it's like now pickup is just a normal thing. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that, that Uber had a pickup option. So uh, I'm right after this, I'm checking that out because it seems like that has a lot more options to it than because um, I'm sure the, the restaurant base is just huge for, for pickup. And it, like you said, it opens up opportunities to places you might not have thought before. Absolutely. And what I like about our pickup experience is that it's in a map form. So you really can see what's along the way. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think of pickup and I used to get annoyed at, at Target's one of my favorite places to shop. And I used to get annoyed by those spots that were for the drive up pre-pandemic because I'm like, <laughs> right? no one actually uses that. Why do we have to waste yeah. a parking spot for it? <laughs> right. And now it's like, I need another spot. There's a whole roll of them. So it's, it really mm -hmm. has become the norm. Yeah. <laughs> you said something, uh, expanding the radius, like as far as on your way home, you can pick up food that normally would have been outside. Do you set that radius as far as how far out delivery can be made from, or is that in partnership with the restaurant according to their food, or is that something you totally do? Yes. So uh, when it comes to delivery, the radius is all dynamic, um, and that has to do with the supply and demand. So if we are short on um, drivers and couriers in that area, it will automatically adjust for that. There is a base radii that is set, and that really varies by city, um, and can it can be um, coordinated with the restaurant partner. Obviously, our eater is our joint customer, and so we're always looking at them as top of mind. But yeah, that is something that we we are happy to talk about with customers. But the real time levers is what really makes the using third party delivery cost effective for restaurants because when you think about it, it's on demand. You can turn it on, you can turn it off. You're not paying. Um, somebody on your staff when you don't have orders coming in. And another part of that is understanding when you actually have to reduce your delivery radii because you have too many orders coming in and maybe not, uh, you know, the driver's mm -hmm. already out doing a delivery. You have five more phone calls coming in. It's really the modern version of taking care of that and um, not having to think about it. Hmm. So is a consumer able at one point, say, to, to get delivery from a certain restaurant and then other times it doesn't show up in their app because it's too busy or, or they don't have enough staff? Or... Yes, it will say um, if it's typically within their delivery radius and it's not because of a busy time, it will do a couple things. One, it will either 
you know, at, for those edge cases, it it will allow it to be delivered for an, an extra fee, similar to on the rides where it's like, oh, it's busy right now on New Year's Eve and there's surge pricing. So they can have that option, which is really to encourage them to take something that is within the delivery of that time, because that allows us to make more orders happen for our restaurants um, using the supply that we have on the road. Um, the other thing is that it will encourage them to toggle over to pick up and say too busy for delivery right now, check back or um, switch over to pick up. Okay. Uh, I just think about all the math involved in this in the background. Obviously, I'm not a math person, and just oh, that's, yeah. To be dynamic like that, and and to to be able to just adjust on the fly is is incredible to me. Yeah, we have a great data science team, but I am not yeah. one of those data scientists myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to ask you any questions because I can't formulate. I don't even know what the questions are, <laughs> but it's just magic to me. <laughs> it's magic, right? We've talked about a, a part of this whole process quite a bit, and um, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. And and that's the drivers. Where do you get your drivers? Where do they come from? And what makes up your driver? Is it full-time? Is it part-time? Is it you know, what's the demographic, if you will, of the driver that you typically see? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's any one demographic of drivers. Um, they The one commonality that they have is that they're coming to Uber for the opportunity to earn. Many of them, I mean, they have different goals. Some hope to just have a little extra to cover the bills. Others are making a, a livelihood off of it, and that is their full-time job. Um, and we don't want to to you know pinpoint them necessarily on either the eat side or the ride side so they can make money as a as a delivery person they need only to have um up-to-date paperwork and pass a background check obviously on the ride side there's much more regulation that goes into that and, and more strict background checks when you're delivering and and carrying people in your vehicle um, but they also use other apps and they're constantly switching back and forth, um, many of them using multiple apps at a time. So what our drivers care about is that they're independent. They want to be able to turn on work and turn off work as as it fits their life cycle, as, as it fits their lifestyle. And um, they they want that freedom. And um, I think that's something that has come up a lot over the last few years is um, how they're classified. And in every public survey over the last decade, they mm -hmm. have consistently said that they don't want to be classified as employees. Um, they they want that trade off because they value the basic flexibility so highly. So that when it comes to our earners, that's what we're committed to do is to continue that flexible work for them um, in all of the cities and areas that we operate. And our teams are really highly engaged on that topic. So independence is, is one of the big things. Are there other things that you do to encourage loyalty to you versus the others that are out there or other things that you try to make your drivers happy? Yeah. I mean, I think if you, you, um, you can see that there's different status that really just started on the mobility and the ride side, um, all sorts of different programs that are offered for, uh, for drivers and, um, and, and the perks that come along with that. Um, now, but we also understand that 
they also want to multi-app, especially in areas that tend to be more rural. Um, it's not realistic for them to to choose one provider. But yes, we're always looking at ways that we can um, incentivize our our drivers and keep them happy and and earning and um, safe. So uh, there's you know that's a that's a whole other side of our business. I do have one question, and maybe it's an urban legend, and I'm sure you, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, though. You hear the story of the driver stitching a fry or the driver, you know, that's all just the, the meals are sealed and they're secure and there's none of that going on, right? <laughs> no, I, 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 I can't speak to when I before I was at um, Uber Eats. Um, I do know that that was definitely, I don't know, an urban legend before when, yeah. when third party delivery first came about. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, they are, they are sealed and, um, we, we don't see that happening. <laughs> you know, there are, <laughs> well, there are missing items, but, um, I actually had a courier the other day. I loved it. She had, um, made her own stamps that she put on the bag that reminded the eater, just so you know, please give me a thumbs up if you liked my delivery service. Reminder that I cannot access the food, so any missing items are on the restaurant. You know, she had a, a clever way of, of phrasing it, but it's very true because as an eater, uh, you are asked at the end of the order to rate both the restaurant and the driver. And really what you're rating the driver on is good communication. Were they courteous? Did they drop it off where it was supposed to be dropped off? If you ask them to ring the doorbell, did they ring the doorbell? Those sorts of things. Um, but when it comes to the food, that's what you're really rating the restaurant on. So I thought that that was um, above and beyond that she had taken that extra step. As far as the drivers and talking about things like delivery time and, and route and traffic you know it's just one of those things that come up if somebody's got hot food in the back and and that must be a driver's kind of a um i wouldn't say a nightmare but one of the situations they don't they don't really like is they know they've got a long delivery run maybe they've got food in the back that's hot and they don't want to get a, a bad right. review right so they're in a hurry to get the food there um and now they're stuck what do they do yeah i don't think that they would necessarily with the how the technology works they wouldn't get stuck in an unexpected delivery time. So that is all part of the algorithm that will give the ETA to, to the eater. So um, if they are, you know, actually physically stuck in traffic, that is communicated within the app to the eater. So um, what we found is that eaters um, care more about the accuracy of the ETA than than the time and the length. Mm. I, well, I consider myself in that bucket too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're told up front this is what it's going to be and that's what you plan on and that's what it is, that's right. perfect, right? You you can't complain about it then. Right. Yeah, I would think that would be the worst as far as arriving at a door and the delivery time was estimated 20 minutes and here you're right. at 40. That, right. That's got to be an upset customer and not a not a fun right. situation for the driver. I had a question about like, do you have like rock star earners that uh, can you like request somebody or can you see like when they're on? You'd be like, oh, you know, I'm I'm gonna order something and uh, I want so and so to deliver it because they're awesome. <laughs> that is a is great. That... I love that. 
idea for a product. We don't have that today. Uh, well, the earner would have to be online and taking orders, but it is actually up to the earner um, on which orders they accept. So, yes. Oh, that's nice. Just, they can just pick like and choose. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you tell... What would you tell an operator, a food service operator that doesn't participate in Uber Eats through whatever reason? They they don't believe that the quality of the food is right for them. There's a suspicion of data collection of their customers. How would you convince that operator that they should sign up for Uber Eats? Yeah. Well, I when I think of um, Uber Eats, you, you have to remember it is its own marketplace. So our eaters are going on to Uber Eats for the convenience and the selection and the variety, um, not just necessarily for one restaurant. And so typically when somebody is looking to order from your specific restaurant, they will go to you directly. So this is not um, in place of those eaters. This is an, in addition to those eaters. And I can't really think of a better place to um, spend your marketing dollars than on a place where 100% of the audience is all looking to do the exact same thing, and that's order delivery. So um, whether or not that restaurant is on the app, the eaters are on the app and they're looking to deliver at that specific moment in time on that day. Um, and so I would say it just to that, that I think is is the part that um, is often overlooked is it's a very efficient spend for marketing more so I would say than a billboard more so than, mm -hmm. you know, any mm -hmm. other like offline media, because you can't really track what the return on that investment is, um, especially if it's offline and you, you can't guarantee that 100% of the people that see it are looking to order delivery from a restaurant. Yeah. I see a lot of restaurants now through the pandemic. It was a, it was a big need and I think you'll see it in design, but creating that a better flow in for the drivers to pick up product, you know, it used to be they made the host stand or something, but now there's lockers being put in and things like that. Was that one of the, or what is the biggest thing you could tell an operator as far as designing that space, is there any, some keys that they should look and make sure they, they do? Yeah, I definitely think that's, a, that's something that they need to consider in their restaurant design that they probably didn't have to five years ago. Um, I think, I actually think the industry was a little bit ahead of that. That was a conversation that was coming up pretty frequently before the pandemic hit. Um, and, you know, it's very similar to pickup orders, whether that person picking up is the actual eater or a courier that's taking it to the eater, you definitely need a space for them to go that's out of the way from your dining customers. I, I know a lot of older restaurants just don't have that, the ability to redesign a lot of it. So it, it kind of becomes a congestion point. And I see as redesigns happen or certainly new construction, that, that being one of those things that'll be factored in. Yeah, Definitely. we're even seeing customers uh, use pickup windows, which I think is mm -hmm. pretty, um, it, you know, that's, that's pretty creative in these more urban areas that don't have the space for somebody extra to be in the restaurant that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're seeing all sorts of new places that you wouldn't even think of, like, have a pickup window, like, like different types of restaurants, you know, these, these 
finer dining type places and stuff too that you're like, hmm, well, I guess this is going yeah. to be a trend that isn't going away. You know, and I I definitely agree with that. Um, but speaking of trends and the future, what is technology looking like? Rich, Rich and I were talking earlier about this. Uh, about automation, about drones, about unmanned. Is Uber Eats dabbling in that right now? Yeah, of course it's interesting, but no, it's not in our plans right now. <laughs> All right. Well, that just, I, I don't know. I think it is, and you probably just don't want to talk about <laughs> it right now. No. <laughs> no. I'm just fascinated with, with drones. Uh, I I fly drones for aerial photography and stuff. And then, you know, you're just looking at what's coming down the pipeline with, with like Amazon and stuff like that. And, and um, you're seeing delivery in um, other parts of the world where yeah, I think it's just going to be, it seems weird and futuristic right now, but within the next few years, it's just going to be normal to see things falling out of the sky with your name on it. And Only time will tell. Um, this is true. Yes, yes. <laughs> I am excited to see uh, the changes that have been happening and the the overall quality improving, at least from my perspective. And it's just been an amazing acceleration, and especially for what what like Uber Eats has has, has done over, over the past year and a half. I mean, it's just it's mind boggling the amount of of uh, work hours that have gone into. You know, like you said, you haven't left your computer, you know, and. <laughs> Do you see that lessening? Are you getting to a point where it's leveling off and you're like, okay, we're at a sustainable point where maybe I could think about taking a vacation or something like that? Possibly, but you know, there's always something with Uber, <laughs> so you just have to take your vacations and deal with the deal with it when you get back. Short notice, <laughs> yeah. Or do really a really good job of cementing those days and and trying to live by that. That's a that's a real problem sometimes when you're so busy. Just to yeah, you have to put your foot down and say, this is the day I'm taking. That's no matter what happens on that day, I'm exactly. gone. Exactly, right? huh. I have to do those. We've kind of been talking about delivery in the sense of a single or you know four small family uh, residential delivery. Are you doing anything on a larger scale? Do you deliver and any larger orders for a catering or something like that that would be considered um, multiple people? bigger groups is that something you do yeah yeah we actually we do have group ordering um which is something that unfortunately we the use case for it was uh group orders typically in offices um where everyone wants to pass around you know the phone um and how do we not <laughs> make everyone pass around their phone but to do group ordering so haven't seen a lot of, of use of that. Another thing that uh, we were working on before the pandemic was um, catering. Um, and again, like the use cases for that, unfortunately, um, during the um, the quarantine periods and with limits to capacity, you know, we haven't seen a need for it. But definitely as we open up, um, I'm hoping that we need more group ordering uh, and we can get back on some of those projects. Are you seeing... In some of the areas of the country that is opening up, are you seeing that picking up again, the office orders, or is that just not coming back as, as quickly? Yeah, actually, um, for example, in Sydney, dining has fully reopened about two months ago. And what we're seeing is that our delivery trends remain healthy, even as that mobility and ride side of the business has returned to growth. So um, 
same thing with New York City, partially reopened dining, um, delivery demand continues to expand. And so I think that as we see more people return to offices, um, we're, we're only going to see more opportunities for, for new services. Very cool. Okay. Well, Megan, thank you so much for a, a fantastic show and some great insights there. We really appreciate you uh, spending time with us. We know you're super busy. But one thing we always like to ask of our guests before we let you go is at some point in your life, a person said something, you read something, or there was an inspirational quote you saw that sticks with you. Do you have anything like that you could share with our guests today? Yeah. People that know me would think this is a hilarious question to ask me because I can't pick just one. I am such a quote person. Um, but there's well, two we that... can open it up. To, yeah, we can open it up to two for sure. There's two that are my It probably doesn't help you much, favorites. though, does it? Two. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are two that are my absolute favorites. And the first is uh, Winston Churchill's uh, A Pessimist Sees the Difficulty in Every Opportunity, An Optimist Sees the Opportunity in Every Difficulty. Um, that I think everyone needs to take right. a little bit from that quote in life and in work. Um, and then the second, which is definitely more work related is the Henry Ford. Uh, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> Very good. Two good ones there. Thank oh, you yeah. so much again uh, today. Really appreciate your time, your insights, uh, learning a little bit more about the whole Uber side of the business. And, and just again, thank you for, for your time and, and best of luck to you uh, moving forward. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. Oh, well, there we have it, Justin. Another, uh, well, I always say it, but it's so true, right? Just a great show. A lot of fun talking to her. Easy, yeah. easy person to talk well, to. And definitely. And it's something, I don't know how many times third-party deliveries come up in conversation with our other guests. And to really hear about what's happening from you know, one of the largest third-party deliveries out there, it's really helpful. And it, it, it opened up my eyes to a lot of things that I, I just hadn't thought about. Or, you know, I had questions about, and really the, the pickup aspect of it, I just wasn't aware of. And I'm intrigued enough to really dive into that a little bit deeper for my own personal use. Yeah. You know, so t talking about all the things that we we didn't realize and, and learn, we fortunate that we have uh, Nate that can help us here today to help remember some <laughs> of those, those moments during the show. For me, I always remember how fun it is to talk to him. And then you just kind of, you know, you keep moving along, but... Um, Nate Wolfel once again here to help us uh, with this recap uh, wrap up of the show. Nate, what did you um, what found what did you find interesting and in, in get out of the show today? Well, first of all, I think Justin kind of hit it right on the head. He stole my thunder a little bit. See, you guys don't even need me. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> one of the things that it's just it's learning a getting a, a glimpse behind something behind the scenes is something that we've touched on on the show so many times, and really getting an idea of the level of thought that gets put into every aspect of this. And the other thing that stood out to me, really, the the second biggest thing is is that Megan even said Uber at Uber they're not food service experts. But that doesn't mean that they have nothing to contribute to the food service conversation or food service in general. They're logistics experts. They are, in a way, delivery experts. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how something that happens possibly in a vacuum outside of outside of the food service space can impact food service in such a profound way. Everyone can have their opinion on what third party does or doesn't do for the industry. But the fact that it's here and it's here to stay I mean, that speaks volumes as to like ideas are what really fuel innovation 
across industries and this it was just so interesting to get a glimpse into what the thinking is like what the process is like for this thing that has had such a, a major impact on food service as a whole and i think a lot of what also plays into that i loved the second quote megan gave about the henry ford quote about if you ask people what they wanted they would have said faster horses and it's like the customer the customer does kind of know what they want but they might not know how to get there and finding people who can kind of do that interpreting as uber strives to do very clearly can bring about some very very interesting changes and to me that that quote really hit home because that that is very true and reflective of what uber eats is doing in this space Mm -hmm. yeah that's such a solid point there and you know the fact that yes you're going to create things that you think the customer needs and wants that they might not even have any idea of What's important then is like keeping the, that channel open and then listening to the feedback on that and be, seeing how it's being received and how it can be improved. Um, because third-party delivery is only going to get better. It's going to get better for the customers. It's going to get better for the restaurants. And you're going to see it really has been kind of the Wild West <laughs> over the past year and some odd months. And it'll start to level out where it's it's sustainable and and a pleasant experience for everybody. Yeah, and like we talked earlier in the show, there's some some big innovations. And Justin, you kind of called her out, I think, a little bit where you said you probably are thinking of these things. You just don't want to talk about them because everyone sees, <laughs> you know, there's there's some bottlenecks, and especially when I was like the driver stuck in traffic. I mean, that's a scenario that happens where you know drones are going to fly right over the top and, and be gone. So there's there's innovations coming. We talked a little bit about construction and design of restaurants to better accommodate this all with the increase in the amount of people wanting to have either pickup or food delivered, just a separate area for that process versus the regular dining process. So a lot of changes I'm sure we'll see coming along and we've accelerated them over the last year for sure. So interesting times. All right. Well, I think that's uh that's our show for today, guys. I think, uh, thanks again, Nate, for the, the recap, Justin, uh, any last words from you? Yeah. I would like to remind everyone to hit that subscribe button. So you don't miss another opportunity to listen to a chef or food service industry professional again. And while you're at it, if you would also take a moment to share it with your friends, let them know that you appreciate what we're doing here. Yeah appreciate it very much and as i said earlier if there's anything we can do give us some advice some tips some thoughts uh, reach out to us at wellrathfoodservice.com slash the feed and as i leave every show if you did everything as if a customer were watching you you'd know you'd be doing it right thanks for listening everyone have a great week ahead and until next time take care <laughs>